0: to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com slash hunt and find more birds this spring. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids.
1: From Meteor's World News Headquarters in Bozeman, Montana, this is Cal's Weekend Review presented by Steel. Steel products are available only at authorized dealers. For more, go to steeldealers.com. Now, here's your host, Ryan Cal Callahan.
0: A North Dakota woman caused a rabies scare last month when she brought a live raccoon into a bar. Yes, it's that hard to get a date in North Dakota. When asked by the bartender to take the wild animal outside, she refused and tried showing it to other patrons. She'd named the raccoon Rocky, presumably after the old Beatles song. You know that one. You know, Rocky raccoon. raccoon. He fell back in his room, only to find Gideon's Bible. That you know, Rocky said, Doc, it's only a scratch and then the scratch turned to rabies, and they died. That's not how the song goes, but could be how a raccoon in a bar incident could go. In this case, Rocky didn't bite anyone, but the incident still prompted the North Dakota Health and Human Services Department to issue a rabies warning as, quote, a precautionary measure, which makes it extra awkward for bar patrons getting home that night saying, listen, Nothing happened, but I gotta go get tested at Health and Human Services for, you know, things that didn't happen. It's a precautionary measure, I swear.
1: Babe, wait! Babe, wait! Babe, wait! Babe! Wait. Babe, wait. babe, wait! Babe! Babe! Babe!
0: Anyway, the woman is facing several misdemeanor charges, including the unlawful possession of furbears and, I would assume, assault with a potentially deadly raccoon. Like coyotes and squirrels, raccoons thrive in highly populated areas. The raccoon population has seen a massive increase over the last 80 years, even as urbanization has driven many other species to the brink of extinction. There are many reasons for this, but as with most things wildlife-related, the problem is mostly our fault. A new study published in the Journal of Experimental Biology suggests that humans are helping raccoons evolve to thrive in urban areas. Scientists tested the cognitive abilities of wild raccoons in and around Laramie, Wyoming. They found that docile, shy raccoons were better able to solve problems than aggressive ones. They're not unlike high schoolers in this way. The loud kid gets all the attention, but it's the quiet ones you have to watch out for. Anyway, because wildlife managers tend to focus on aggressive raccoons, they're eliminating the dumber animals and allowing the smarter ones to thrive. These quiet raccoons are the ones who learn how to open up your chicken coop and get you to take them to the bar on a lonely Saturday night. We've talked on this program about urban whitetail hunting and urban cat hunting. It's time to add urban raccoon hunting to the list. Instead of using a dog to chase a coon up a tree, we can use those rental electric scooters to chase them up a telephone pole. It's all in the name of progress. This week, we've got crime, legislation, and invasive species, but first I'm going to tell you about my week. And my week was awesome. I joined some of the crew, plus a pile of paleoarchaeologists, and butchered a -a two-and-a-half-year-old bison bull using only stone tools. These tools were replicas of those used by hunters just like us 13,000 years ago and made out of rock, specifically chert. Then, I headed over to join the board of Sportsmen for the Boundary Waters Canoe Area for a quick trip into the famed Boundary Waters of northern Minnesota. The fall colors were turning, we caught and ate lake trout on the last two days of the season, and found and killed and cooked grouse and mushrooms as the fall colors turned. If you recall, the Boundary Waters are America's most traveled wilderness area, and underneath them are iron and copper ore deposits, which some folks want to mine putting at risk America's freshwater reserves and some absolutely fantastic, easily accessible wilderness recreation. couple of my takeaways. Even though the boundary waters are well-traveled, the area lends itself to serious seclusion. Great campsites and deciduous trees make you feel like you're all on your lonesome. The Forest Service provides grill grates and pit toilets at each camp, which sure makes life easy. Big thanks to Bob St. Pierre, Chef Lucas Leaf, and Dave Simonette for the amazing experience. I learned the value of skeet chokes and seven-shot steel from Bob, hedgehog mushrooms and homemade sherry vinegar from Lucas, and from Dave of Trampled by Turtles fame, how much good you can do with your platform. TBT is famous for upbeat bluegrass. They've been going at it for nearly 20 years but they step out from music to promote the conservation of the places they love, like the Boundary Waters. That's super cool. They even hosted an online auction, which will barely be alive by the time you hear this, meaning you can still get in on the action. Just look up Trampled by Turtles BWCA Auction. That's Trampled by Turtles BWCA Auction. By my count, They have already raised, by donating a bunch of awesome Trampled by Turtles gear and experiences, over $15,000 for Sportsman for the Boundary Waters. That being said, next time uh, TBT comes through your town, buy a ticket. See the show. You won't regret it. Mingus! Moving on to the crime desk. A Montana woman earned international notoriety after she mistakenly killed a juvenile Siberian husky and then claimed on social media that she'd killed a wolf pup. Several of you sent me the original Facebook post asking if it's real. I can confirm that it is. Amber Barnes of Martin City, Montana, home of the famous Deerlick Saloon, posted several images proudly displaying a skinned canine she claimed was a wolf pup. She had been hunting for black bear in the Flathead National Forest when she spied the canine. She's since claimed that it charged her while growling and barking. The local sheriff later confirmed that the dog was one of 11 husky and shepherd mixes that had been dumped in the woods. The remaining dogs have been rounded up. No charges have been filed. Huskies and wolves share certain characteristics, but if you're ever wondering which one you're looking at, the tail is a good place to differentiate the two. A husky's tail curls around itself, while a wolf's tail points straight behind it. I mention this only because this isn't the first time a husky has been shot by a hunter. In 2018, a hunter in Canada accidentally shot a husky that was out for a walk with its owner. The dog survived, but, you know, that's not fun. I have it on good authority that in this instance, the entire pack of abandoned domestics were diseased and may still need to be euthanized. Instead of dealing with vet bills, the negligent owner dumped the dogs in a very unfriendly and very uncomfortable situation, and one that was potentially harmful to wildlife as well as passers-by. Here in Montana, dogs that harass wildlife or domestic animals can be legally killed for it. On a side note, Amber did what appeared to be a great job skinning out the husky, And after the online beating that came as a result of this case of mistaken identity, I'll bet she thinks a lot about species identification, what she skins, and what she posts online in the future. In Wyoming, a backcountry hunter claims that his 180-point mule deer buck was stolen from his campsite, Jimmy Lynn told Cowboy State Daily that he'd hiked eight miles into the Hoback Mountain Range where he killed what he estimated was a 180-inch mule deer. The kill site was about a mile and a half from his campsite, so he cleaned and quartered the animal and hung the quarters and game bags in a tree. He then took the head, cape, and backstraps back down to his campsite. Once those were hung in a tree, he went back to the kill site to retrieve the rest of the meat. In the time it took him to walk that mile and a half and take the meat off the deer's quarters, someone found his campsite, stole the head, cape, and back straps, along with a shirt he'd left behind. He knows it was a person and not a bear because bears don't wear shirts. He said, quote, it was just some frickin' dirt bags. I bet you're right, Jimmy. If you hail from western Wyoming, get on the Google machine and look up Jimmy Lynn's photos of the rack, be on the lookout for those antlers, and let's see if we can get Jimmy his deer back. A New York man has been charged with multiple felonies after he stole a 22 caliber rifle from a group of hunters by pretending to be a conservation officer. 24-year-old Zachary Harvey allegedly confronted a group of squirrel hunters in the woods and demanded to see their hunting licenses. He wrote down their information and said he'd have to confiscate one of their rifles. The hunters complied, but they were still a little suspicious, so they took some video of the incident. Later, Harvey emailed one of the hunters to confirm that yes, in fact, the rifle was unlawful. It's unclear why he sent that email, because actual law enforcement officers later used it to track him down. He was arrested without incident and has been charged with felonies that include criminal impersonation and grand larceny. I don't know whether this is relevant, but I somehow think it's important to note that Harvey is from a town called Weedsport. That's Weed Sport.
1: It is like the best medicine.
0: (laughs) Jonah broke his elbow once. He just got high and still clicks, but I mean,
1: he's okay. Right. Yeah.
0: Here's an unfortunate story in our ongoing chronicle of ultra-aggressive dock owners. Thanks to Peter Johnson for sending this one in. A Florida man has been charged with multiple felonies after he allegedly choked a 13-year-old boy during an altercation about fishing and swimming along a river near a private condo facility. The boy and two of his friends, a 12-year-old and another 13-year-old, had gotten into the private area when 58-year-old Gerald McCarthy told them they were trespassing. McCarthy tried to detain the boys by putting one of them in a headlock. The boy swung his fist to pull away from McCarthy, who then allegedly grabbed the boy by his throat and lifted him off the ground. For his part, McCarthy claims that he's on the condo security committee. You know, the condo security committee. I think they once did security for the Rolling Stones. McCarthy asked them to leave before escorting them, quite physically it seems, to the exit. But considering that officials decided to charge McCarthy with child abuse, False imprisonment and battery, not to mention the fact that one of the boys recorded the altercation on his phone. I'd say Mr. McCarthy is in a bit of trouble, even considering the egregious error of trespassing to swim and fish, which you know is a gateway drug to uh, becoming a guy with a podcast on the Meat Eater Network. There's also an update in the Campbell County Antelope Head case I mentioned a few weeks back. A pair of Wyoming men were charged with wildlife violations after two antelope heads were found in some bushes near a motel. 18-year-old Dominic Serta is the witness who first tipped off police to the antelope remains, but now he's in some trouble of his own. Oil City News reports that Serta has now been charged with poaching a white-tailed deer and letting it go to waste. He allegedly shot the deer from the bed of a pickup at night on the same day his friends killed their antelope. It remains unclear why he chose to snitch on his buddies when he'd also been poaching. It would be hard to believe he misread the regulations. You know, shooting deer at night out of a vehicle. Not exactly a gray area, Dominic. But it's not all bad news here at the Week in Review. Here's a positive note from the crime desk. Over a year ago, dozens of severed bear paws were found scattered on a rural road in British Columbia. The site horrified drivers who passed by, but conservation officers have determined that the cause is less dramatic than you might expect. The paws accidentally fell out of a taxidermist truck. The taxidermist had legal possession of them, and he's making a sizable donation to the local watershed conservation organization in lieu of a littering fine. It's still a little unclear how the paws fell out and why the taxidermist didn't notice, but B.C. conservation officers insist they got this one right. A lot of people think that getting life insurance means you're insuring yourself for yourself, but it's actually the exact opposite. It's insuring yourself for your family. So if something happens to me and I'm not around anymore, I can have more peace of mind that my family can have some financial support. And that's where Fabric by Gerber Life comes in. More than once in my life, my journey, people have described me as an independent person. And that's how I want to stay even when I'm dead. That's how I want to be remembered. That's why I have life insurance. Fabric by Gerber Life is term life insurance you can get done right here, right now. You could be covered from your couch in under 10 minutes with no health exam required. If you've got kids, and especially if you're young and healthy, the time to lock in low rates is now. Join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family. Apply today in just minutes at meatfabric.com cal. That's meatfabric.com cal. M-E-E-T Fabric.com slash Cal Policies issued by Western Southern Life Assurance Company not available in certain states Prices subject to underwriting and health questions For all you elk hunters out there chasing turkeys is basically the same thing I know the reaction you just gave me but don't knock it till you try it and don't try it without on X The hunt app will not only help you find new areas on public ground but I use it to find out landowner info to get permission on private ground that I see birds on as well. OnX Hunt has a special offer for you. Use code CAL to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com slash hunt and find more birds this spring. Hey, I just sat down with the owners and operators of uh, Maui Nui Venison. You've heard that name before because I've talked about them here on this podcast. They're on a mission to balance axis deer populations on Maui while giving back to the community and run a totally sustainable operation. Now, it's wild axis deer, which is an invasive species, but this operation is monitored and observed by the USDA, and they can commercially sell axis deer. Last time I went out to uh, Maui to hunt axis, I did not kill one, which is where Maui Nui Venison would come in very handy. For folks like me who want to get your own meat but aren't, always successful, and still want to have something in the freezer or uh, handy in the form of a snack stick that is as close to getting your own as you can get, which is what Maui Nui Venison is. You can become a snack subscriber, get some Axis Deer sticks sent right to your door, visit MauiNuiVenison.com, that's M-A-U-I-N-U-I, Venison.com, and use promo code CAL for 20% off your first order. Moving on to the Invasive Species Desk. It's extremely difficult to eliminate an invasive species once a population has been established. Wild hogs are the perfect example. Just a few weeks ago, California Governor Gavin Newsom signed a bill that would eliminate many of the restrictions on feral hog hunting. California isn't a state known for its, uh, whack-em and stack-em mentality but the hog problem is so bad that even California lawmakers are allowing hunters to take hogs at night and harvest or kill as many as they want. This isn't likely to solve the problem, in part because hogs are difficult to track down. A bounty program in Alberta, Canada has resulted in exactly zero kills since its introduction on April 1. Hunters can earn $75 for every pair of hog ears they turn in, but as of September, they haven't turned in any. The difficulty of eradicating hogs makes this next story all the more amazing. The U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service recently announced that nutria have been totally eliminated from the state of Maryland. Nutria are an invasive species that were introduced to Maryland from South America in the 1940s. They're large rodents that look like a cross between a beaver and a muskrat. They're big, and they live in swamps, with super-tall grass and water. Very difficult to find. People thought they would be an economic boon by expanding the fur market, but they mostly just destroyed wetland habitat. So, over 20 years ago, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, the U.S. Department of Agriculture, and the Maryland Department of Natural Resources embarked on a mission to rid the state of the destructive pest. Nutria had never before been eradicated on this scale, but the Chesapeake Bay Nutria Eradication Project was up to the challenge. To find nutria, They used dogs that had been specially trained to detect nutria scat rather than the animals themselves. Since scat doesn't get up and swim away, it's a lot easier to find. Once nutria were confirmed to be in a location, traps were set. Over the last two decades, the project trapped over 14,000 nutria. Half the animals were trapped on public land, but over 700 participating landowners helped facilitate the capture of the remaining 7,000 rodents. The last remaining nutria was captured all the way back in 2015, but it's taken the last seven years to confirm that the eradication effort was a permanent success. The elimination of nutria from these wetlands will help restore critical habitat for migrating and wintering waterfowl, breeding areas for at-risk wildlife, and spawning grounds for commercial fisheries, including striped bass and blue crab. Nutria haven't been eliminated from every area they've invaded, but this project proves that it's possible. Unfortunately, we can't yet say the same for feral hogs, even though we've been at that one for a long while. Which, you know, brings up the question, do we want to get rid of feral hogs, and if so, are we really trying? Moving on to the legislative desk. The Chronic Wasting Disease Research and Management Act has nearly passed the U.S. Congress, and my contacts in D.C. are telling me now is the time to get in touch with your United States Senator. As we've covered several times on this program, this CWD bill will fund important research and mitigation efforts to help control the spread of CWD in deer and elk and moose herds. It can't come too soon. Wildlife officials in Oklahoma are assuming the disease has spread into their state for the first time after a positive case was found within miles of the panhandle. Deer are almost certainly infected already, but the CWD Act would give states like Oklahoma additional tools and funding to control the spread. The Act has already passed the U.S. House, so now is the time to get on the horn with your senators. And while you're at it, go ahead and tell them you're counting on their support. For Recovering America's Wildlife Act. Remember this one? It would give states billions of dollars every year to protect and conserve each state's most threatened and endangered species. These habitat improvements would also benefit the game animals we love to hunt. So it's really a win-win. Plus, a new survey from Responsive Management found that 70% of Americans support the act, including 82% of Democrats, 64% of Republicans, and 64% of Independents. Like the CWD Act, the Recovering America's Wildlife Act has passed the House but is stalled in the U.S. Senate. Get in touch with your senators today. A U.S. Capitol switchboard operator can connect you directly with your senator. 202-224-3121. Call now. I'll wait. That's 202-224-3121. A U.S. representative from North Dakota has introduced a bill, the Protecting Access for Hunters and Anglers Act of 2022, which prohibits the Secretary of the Interior Or the Secretary of Agriculture from banning the use of lead ammunition or fishing tackle on federal lands and waters. The bill includes an exception that would allow for the regulation of lead ammo or tackle, but only if the respective secretary can prove with specific science that lead ammo or tackle is causing a decline in a wildlife population and the regulations are consistent with state law. Which sounds good, but I'd like to know if this approach would inhibit our ability to be proactive in cases of questionable population health? It's a good question. I'll find some folks to weigh in on that one. If you know the answer already, please write in. A-S-K-C-A-L at TheMeatEater.com You know, weighing in is almost a pun. You know, lead lead is heavy. I, I just thought I'd throw that out there. Anyway... The bill is co-sponsored by 23 Republican members of Congress, and it was introduced in response to a recent rule that will phase out lead ammunition use on at least one federal wildlife refuge. These members of Congress believe the Biden administration wants to ban all lead ammunition and tackle on all federal public lands. The U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service says it's very concerned about lead use, But the agency stopped short of banning it on most of the refuges recently opened for hunting and fishing. They'll continue to engage with hunters and anglers, and you'll have another chance to weigh in again next year during the public comment period. I think it's worth taking a minute to pause here and answer a question I get asked a lot How do I know who to contact about legislative issues? The American system of governance is pretty confusing. We have lots of elected representatives at different levels of government, not to mention state game commissions and wildlife agencies. We could spend a day on this topic, but here's a quick rundown. We have three levels of government, federal, state, local. The federal government is in Washington, D.C. It consists of the legislative, executive, and judicial branches, along with the agencies that serve the federal government. The legislative branch is the U.S. Congress, which consists of a House and a Senate. You have one person who represents you in the House and two people who represent you in the Senate. So, when you hear about a federal bill in the U.S. Congress, like the CWD bill or rawa that's Recovering America's Wildlife Act, these are the three folks you should contact. Your state's legislature meets in your state capitol. In most states, you have a representative and a senator though some states use different names like assembly member, Whenever you hear about a bill in your state, these are the two people you should be contacting. States also have commissions and agencies that manage wildlife and wildlife-related issues. This varies by state to state, but you can always find their contact information by searching for your state name and wildlife commission or wildlife agency. Like I'd type in, like, Montana Wildlife Commission. You would type in, you know, like, uh, New Jersey. Wildlife Commission. You get the point. The local level is more complicated. You might have county commissioners, city council members, or a mayor who represents you. These folks don't often set wildlife policy, but they do occasionally make decisions on public land uses. So, for example, if you live in New York, you have an opportunity to get in touch with your state's wildlife agency about a recent wolf controversy. In December of 2021, an 85-pound wolf was shot by a coyote hunter near Cooperstown. There was some controversy about whether the animal was actually a wolf, but that didn't stop 38 environmental and animal rights groups from sending a letter to the New York Department of Environmental Conservation demanding that they increase protections for wolves in the state. Even though this wolf likely escaped from captivity, They want the state to impose a coyote-hunting ban to protect what they think is a budding gray wolf recolonization. So, if you live in New York and care about this issue, you should contact the New York Department of Environmental Conservation. This is the state agency that manages all wildlife-related issues, and they have contact information listed on their website. Up in Minnesota, the state chapter of the Isaac Walton League has filed a petition with the Minnesota Department of Natural Resources that calls on the agency to sustainably manage all native fish, including so-called rough fish. Rough fish may be native to an area, but they're not considered good eating and aren't protected by bag limits. In Minnesota, these species include buffalo fish, freshwater drum, and goldeyes, among many others. Some of these species aren't doing well, So, the Isaac Walton League wants the DNR to adopt bag limits and other restrictions like those used to manage other native fish species. Tyler Winter, the spokesman for the Minnesota chapter of the Isaac Walton League, told me that they started this push after watching the Big Mouth Buffalo episode of the meat eater series, Das Boat. Miles Nolte, if you're listening, you should be darn proud of that. If you want to weigh in on this one, search for the Minnesota Department of Natural Resources and get involved. Another way to change laws in a state is to get a measure on the ballot. If enough people vote for a ballot measure, it becomes law, even if the legislature, governor, or game commission doesn't support it. In fact, activists often push for ballot measures when they've failed to find success in a legislature. In Oregon, for example, Measure 114 changes firearm ownership requirements to make it much more difficult to purchase a firearm. Thanks to listener Sam Buscole for sending this one in. Currently, Oregon residents can purchase a firearm by going to a licensed dealer and passing an instant background check. Measure 114 would require all prospective owners to obtain a permit issued by local law enforcement. To get one of these permits, Oregonians would have to pay a $65 fee, have their fingerprints taken, and complete a classroom and live fire training course offered only by law enforcement certified instructors. The measure does not specify how much this training will cost. Measure 114 would also ban the sale of magazines that can hold more than 10 rounds and require a firearms permit in order to sell a gun privately. If you want to weigh in on this one, there aren't any local or state elected officials to contact. Tell everyone you know what you think about Measure 114 and get folks out to vote on November 8th. It's easy to feel intimidated about contacting elected officials, but they want to hear from you. Wildlife-related issues often cross party lines, so these officials aren't often willing to listen to both sides. I had a chance recently to sit down with the Director of the Bureau of Land Management, Tracy Stone Manning. We'll release the full interview soon, but I wanted to share what she said about staying engaged
1: already you're engaged in things about hunting and fishing because you're listening to this podcast. Uh, So thank you for that. And I would ask that you take that engagement and do the work to make sure that your kids, your grandkids get the same kind of opportunities that we all have today. The fact that we have 245 million acres of public lands on which to go recreate and hunt and fish didn't happen by mistake. It happened because people worked really hard for it. And the fact, everybody knows who's listening to this, the fact that we still have robust game populations um, in many places is because we worked hard on conservation measures that were funded in part by, you know, receipts off of ammunition and funded in part by people who really care. So uh, my ask is that people stay engaged uh, in making sure that we uh, have as the climate changes around us as as habitat changes around us we have to stay all the more engaged to ensure that um, wildlife have places to roam and that our kids and our grandkids uh, have access to them
0: that's all i've got for you this week thank you so much for listening as per usual please write in to askcal that's askcal at the and let me know what's going on in your neck of the woods and remember It's time to get that yard in ship shape and protect your hunting access from downed trees. That's, you know, like a tree on the road that you need to buck up, turn into firewood in your seek outside stove, that type of thing. How, do you ask? By typing in www.steeldealers.com and finding a local, knowledgeable steel dealer near you. They're going to get you set up with what you need and not try to send you home with what you don't. Thanks again, and I'll talk to you next week. That's SeafoamWorks.com to learn more. Hey, I just sat down with the owners and operators of Maui Nui Venison. They're on a mission to balance Axis deer populations on Maui while giving back to the community and run a totally sustainable operation. For folks like me, who want to get your own meat but aren't always successful, you can become a snack subscriber, get some Axis deer sticks, Sent right to your door. Visit Venison dot com. That's M A U I N U I Venison dot com, and use promo code CAL for twenty percent off your first order.